Hi everyone, a quick note from Kabir here. As the producer of this video, I just wanted to let you know that in order to enter the giveaway, we did not mention the link in the audio of this video and was um, mentioned visually. So for you people who are listening to our podcast, which is awesome, thank you for that. Keep it going because we're working on great audio-only episodes for you. In order to enter the giveaway, go to www.theaviatorssh.wordpress.com forward slash giveaway. That is www.theaviatorssh.wordpress.com forward slash giveaway. Hope you enjoy the episode. Links will also be in the description. Thank you so much for listening. Keep it up. Happy flying. Hello and welcome back to the Aviators South Africa studio. We are joined by Voter Boertes from the amazing book and new TV series Flights to Nowhere. To celebrate the release of the brand new TV series Flights to Nowhere, the Aviators South Africa will be doing an April aviation giveaway. The prize courtesy of African Pilot magazine. So, here's how to enter, and here's are what prizes you could win. The first place prize, which is the person with the most correct answers on our April Aviation quiz, will receive a 12-month digital subscription to African Pilot magazine. This will be emailed to you every month as soon as it is released. They'll also win a copy of Voter Bortis' e-book, Flights to Nowhere. The second place winner, which is the person with the second highest amount of correct answers on the quiz, will also receive a copy of Voter Boyce's ebook, Flights to Nowhere. Here's how to enter. Go to the link in the description and see our Google form. On the Google form, it will prompt you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to get the latest videos from us. Make sure to hit that subscribe and enable notifications so that you'll get notified for every new video we release. Then, simply fill out the Google form to the best of your ability on the latest aviation general knowledge and also ensure that you put in the required contact details so we can contact you if you are the winner. The quiz will close on 3 May 2021. Winners will be announced in the week of 10 May 2021. Please send any inquiries you may have to theaviatorssouthafrica at gmail.com. Happy flying and good luck! On the morning of 13 March 1967, flight SAA-406, also called the Rietbok, took off from Johannesburg Jan Smuts Airport on a scheduled flight to Port Elizabeth. Little did everybody know that that would be the start of the first mystery in the aviation history of South Africa. The one pilot, he confirmed that he saw the coastline on the left and then he would have looked forward to see whether he would spot the runway lights. This flight ended in disaster. Join me, Voter Boertes, as I investigate the mystery surrounding this flight and many others in flights to nowhere. Welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm here with Warwick today, and we are going to be discussing a whole lot about um, Flights to Nowhere, which is this, which is an ebook that has been published by yes. our partner African Pilot. And yes. um, Warwick and I have 
both read the book and it's a it's a really great read really technical really deep down um, and we highly recommend it and we'll be in fact doing a instagram giveaway of this book which is amazing so stay tuned mm -hmm. to the rest of the video to see if you can get your hands on a copy otherwise visit www.africanpilot.co.za for more information on it so we're going to be having a bit of a conversation with you about your life and about air crashes. Um, and so what I thought we would start with is maybe you could tell us a bit about yourself, like what is your day job, for instance, and what has yes. start, what started and what fuels your passion for investigating air crashes? Because it's quite unusual. It actually started with the Unsolved Mysteries of Southern Africa. So it wasn't aviation from the start. So what happened 12 years ago, I walked into a bookstore and there was a guy, he published a book, the only book that I know of, uh, Rob Marsh, uh, about unsolved mysteries of Southern Africa. And he published it uh, in two languages, English and Afrikaans. I think the Afrikaans was called Verlore Skakos. And it immediately uh, triggered something with me because I've always been very, very, very curious. And uh, I don't accept the fact that he's an unsolved mystery. So what I did was, I read the book and then uh, I came upon a case of Babel Schroeder, which was murdered in 1949. And I decided, well, it's the oldest case in the book. I'm going to see what I can do about it. So I started the investigation and it ended up getting a life of its own. I spoke to the guys that were actually accused of uh, the murder and so on and so on. But I'm not going to go into that. I'll, I'll move to the aviation side. So what happened was uh, I created a radio series for few radio stations in terms of four categories. The one was uh, myths and legends, and then missing, all things missing, aircraft, uh, people, whatever. And then you have uh, uns uh, unexplained phenomena. That was the third category. And the, the, the fourth one was unsolved murders, obviously. So what happened was when I did the radio series, uh, it, it sort of, the whole series actually started having a life of its own. So I've been a pilot for about 23 years. I've been in radio for about 23 years. And uh, I grew up on a farm in Natal. And I was always in the bush looking for stuff. And if something's missing, I go and look for it. So I think it sparked over there. But when I saw that book of Rob Marsh, I knew this, this is what I wanted to do. So I started 12 years ago doing research on unsolved mysteries in Southern Africa. And I found that it's never been done. It's never been in a TV series. And it's actually a very very famous series in America, but we've never done. So I started looking for, do we have any missing planes? Because I'm a pilot. And uh, do we have planes in Southern Africa, or even Africa that, that are missing? And I found 10 specific cases. And uh, that's how it started. So I started researching these cases and the mystery surrounding some crashes. So uh, that's what happened. Wow, that, that's really quite a story because obviously for most of us, we think of aviation and missing aircraft and, and for sometimes, you know, there are very few occurrences that happen regularly and quite yes. you know, very uh, recently is the word, apart from, you yes. know, MH370 and, and types like that. But so that was a great question, which is, are there, are there yeah. these incidents in Southern Africa? And of course, it was quite unusual. And reading the ones that you found, the information on it is just insane. And it's something completely new and different. Yes. And that's why I think this TV series is going to open up more 
windows into African and Southern African aviation for general viewers, because of course we yes. have air crash investigation in the US and other shows like that, but nothing dives deep here. And so we're going to um, hand over to Warwick, who's I think going to try discuss something else with you now. Yes. The other thing which I've picked up on is that a lot of the stories which you focused on were a lot of the stories which were much older. They weren't, firstly, yes. those were the ones which you could find, but also they weren't recent. None of them were super, super recent. They weren't within yeah, the past one or two years. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think what I'm going to say is, probably what you're also thinking is that a lot of the stuff now is controlled so much by technology that it's Perfect. actually you can yes. you can tell exactly what happened yes. the majority of the time you're able to yes. see exactly what the pilot said exactly what happened yes and yes. so i think it's much harder and a much more thorough job which has got to be done to look at something from that era from a much longer yes. time ago when technology was just a, was just a small part <laughs> Yeah, you're actually hitting the nail because uh, on the head because what happened was with uh, you can use three letters, GPS changed the whole system. And if you look uh, at about 2003 or after 2000, you start getting devices that if you really want to get lost, you'll have to want to get lost. But uh, there's no way if you had a, a device like that, you actually can get lost unless you don't know how to work it and all that. But uh, older cases, yes, but there were challenges also. And, and, and we found that you, you, you get people who actually plan on getting lost. Then you get people who just get lost and uh, due to technology or whatever. And if you take most of those cases today, it wouldn't have happened. Definitely not. And the investigation, of course, would have been much shorter as a result of that. Yes, yes. And, and I can... I can Tell you another thing there is not really anything that's unsolved uh, you, you don't really get an unsolved case the only reason it's still unsolved is somebody didn't talk that knows something uh, like we have in certain cases in africa the other uh, uh, scenario is actually we haven't found the wreck. so unsolved no if, if the airplane's gone it's still somewhere it's lying somewhere Somebody's got it, somebody knows about it, something like that. So nothing is really unsolved. It's just unsolved because of timeline and the time hasn't gone by that somebody says yes, but I saw that dwarf climbs a mountain in a very remote area and sees a wreck and says, I wonder what this is. And this happened a lot. And uh, that's basically what it is. Don't really get something unsolved. It's unsolved today, but it still can be solved. But uh, obviously, as time goes by, it's it more difficult. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the clues go away on a daily basis. Yeah, that, that's some really interesting insight into it. Because, of course, the, every case has yeah. a story, but we just don't know what yeah. the story is precisely. Yes. Yeah. And yes. We're, gonna, we're going to talk about something that is fairly <laughs> a modern topic and relates to air crashes. Because when I say, oh, I'm talking to this person who investigates air crashes, people say, Ooh, I don't want to know about that. You know, I don't mm. want to. And the reason is because of fear of flying. And when we look at fear of flying mm. in our current 2021 situation, there were, there were even when we look at your book, in fact, and we talk about the Rick book, which was the part of that yes. was featured in the trailer, which you just watched. Um, and there was yes. that one passenger who stayed behind, right? 
And, yes. you know, I take it this may have been more common an occurrence than it was now because of fear of flying. But at the same time, we have so much more modern technology with weather. But still, mm. people are still scared of flying. And so what do we do to try educate people? Because obviously, as people working in the aviation sphere, we know that, in mm. fact, the more technical knowledge we gain from this, the more we can learn mm. on it. We're looking at the max at the moment in a mini documentary, which we are producing, and we're looking yes. at what went wrong. So now that we know what went wrong, we can learn from the mistake, right? But from a passenger perspective, what is your, you know, in general, what is your stance on fear of flying in passengers? Okay. The first thing I need to tell you is, is nothing as difficult for anybody to tell somebody else when they fear, they have this fear of flying. It's more dangerous to drive to the airport in your car than to get into a plane. It, it doesn't have an effect on anybody. It's not so much a fear of the aircraft or the flight. It's the idea of flight, of not being in control of what you're doing, mostly. It's also the idea of a 3D world. And people realize that because it's a 3D world flying. You've got three axes. And, and the other thing that people don't realize is something happens to somebody and they just decide this is not for me i'm not going to go leave the earth i feel much secure i can stop my car i can get out i can call for help so in an aircraft you, you don't have so many options but still it's it's absolutely the minimal and the percentage is so low of people really honestly and and with a, with a passion be fear fearful of flying definitely so it's, it's, it's not a lot that you get, but you can't tell them that they should. I've had people fly with me that was sort of hesitant. And I, as soon as the aircraft leaves the, the ground and they see outside and they see it's not so bad, they think you can actually swing them around. But if somebody is scared of flying, they're scared of flying. And that's it. Mm. And it's also interesting because obviously British Airways took it into their own hands and started this whole course, which used to tour the world prior to COVID, etc. But at the same time, yes. when you're in this aviation industry and you say to people, oh, I think in this accident, this went wrong, or the pilot did this, or the pilot did that, I think most people are also intimidated by the technology and by everything required to fly the aircraft safely. Because if it's in a yes. car, it's a fairly simple mechanism and one can kind of pick it up from watching someone. But if you go sit in the cockpit, of course, you're not going to really work out how the aircraft works just by watching. And so I think it, you are exactly right that it's this feeling of helplessness and like yes. I'm not the, in control. The, the other thing you must also realize is there's something that pilots don't like. It's the fact that you have a movie where the air space gets into the cockpit cockpit uh, the pilots are incapacitated and she takes over and she dances 747 that that is that is that's entertainment but i mean it, for us it's, it's a personal thing it's, it's not possible because i mean it's a specialized area it's a specialized like anything like being uh, any kind of specialized job like an auditor or something like that so you still have that that factor but you will never ever take away the risk of flying whether it's mysterious case, mysterious accident, mysterious occurrence, whether it's the mystery of actually being able to fly in a, in a heavier than air machine. It started, as you know, in the early century, 
happened last century. So it will always fascinate people. A series like the one I've just done, uh, I'm lucky to be doing it because obviously if I had to do it now, I wouldn't have any cases so much. And if you talk about MH370, it's, it's a question of, in my mind, and I'm just saying this as a personal thing, that if, if somebody wants to get lost, they'll get lost. I mean, that's, that's how it works. So mm. uh, doing a historical series, I don't think we'll do another series because there aren't any cases in, in, in Africa. But if you take a case like the UN uh, case uh, with, the, with the DC-6 DC that, that was in Dola years and years ago, and you take a case like the guys who got into a plane at, uh, in, in Namibia and just got lost over the, the ocean, mm. there are these cases, but you have to be very selective so that when you do a case, when you recreate the case, that was our biggest challenge, is to recreate this case in a flight sim. You'll see it in the series. And I'm going to get a lot of criticism. I said to Athol from African Pilots, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of criticism. And, and even Charlie Marie from, from Westland, I said to him, listen, we're going to expect a lot of criticism. But I was surprised at the book. The book was spread from an aviation magazine. The article series was in an aviation magazine. And it was well, well received because of the fact that we actually stated the facts and we, we asked questions afterwards and said, but will we ever find out? Where, do, where should the wreck be? That kind of thing. And it, it fascinates people. And the nice thing is, this series will definitely create a link between the aviation community and also the general public that is fascinated by flying. And you have a large audience, I can tell you that, a large, large audience where people actually are interested in these kind of things, any kind of mystery. But if you add aviation to it, it's even more mysterious. That's why I think this series is going to be something. They asked me to present the series in a in a very natural, like I'm talking to you now, uh, not you know doing it in an entertainment fashion in terms of talking fast and have flashing images and so. We do have recreations. We do have actual footage of of, of planes after they crashed with a mysterious uh, subject around them and all that. We do have that, but in the end, it's all about. That I said it before, I said it's all about the, the people left behind. If you don't know what happened to a loved one, you expect that person to walk through the door any minute. And that's the bad thing and the sad thing. As time goes by, you realize that these people are lost. They're never going to come back. And closure is the actual thing that, that is looked at here. We look at closure. We, 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 we recognize the fact that a family doesn't have closure that's the first that's the main thing the second thing is the mysterious circumstances surrounding each case it's all different it's like a fingerprint we can say uh, two of the aircraft in 1988 that exploded in the air or there was a fireball and it came down to earth they still differ like fingerprints so every case is especially every aviation case is extremely unique and it's all about the family that's left behind. That's the sad and tragic part of it. But we'd like to give it new life and say, hey, listen, let's look at this again. Maybe we're lucky. If somebody just starts talking or somebody, especially the closer cases. The Rick book was a, was a journey and a half, I can tell you that. Because we've now sparked the university in, in PE, the Nelson Mandela University in PE, to actually see if they might not have formed the wreck and they didn't know about it the young ones there with the ROV and the, 
the guys who do the ocean research. So we're hoping that something has been done. But so there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of a uh, lot of things happening after this year. That's very interesting. And another quick question which I have is: Did you recreate all of the um, crashes and instances on a sim, or the ones uh, which you had enough info for? And how hard was it? Yes, we we've created uh, 99% of the cases due to the fact that cost first of all, you can't just get into an Embraer 110 and, and fly it because in a sim it's a bit easier because you can place the aircraft where you want it and show the last few minutes. If we had to use real aircraft, it's much more difficult to film, firstly. Secondly, it's extremely expensive. And thirdly, uh, if you think about it, you fly and you fly and you fly. How do you stop and say, yeah, at this point, this aircraft disappeared? With the sim, it's beautiful. Fly to God's window, stop there, we say, this is where it stopped, and then you start talking. That's why we did it in the sim, and it's easier, but it, it just makes sense. Did you have enough info for all of them to make it a simple sort of recreation in the sim? Or was we, it a bit of a challenge to sort of try and guess what I, info? <laughs> I spent six hours in the sim, just as a sideline comment there. But it wasn't easy. It, it was it was actually very nice doing it. And also for us, a, a bit of an eye-opener. We had enough information. Well, the information that we most use is public information. But we had enough information to do something to recreate all the flights or most of the flights. But you, you will always have not all the information. So we use some people for interviews. We, uh, you know, we, 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 we talked to people and we showed some, some locations and we showed the aircraft. There are actually pictures of the actual aircraft and we've got news footage of, of uh, that media guy, Christy, flying into the building there in Johannesburg. So we did have some information that, that makes it a bit more interesting, definitely. Okay. Um, and... Which one do you think was the hardest out of all the crashes? Because, I mean, they're such a variety. And they're big aircraft, they're small aircraft, they're big distances, they're short distances. Which one I, would was there, like, the yeah. least info for? I'm assuming maybe one of the ones up more into the Central Africa. Uh, possibly the no. one. Well, the, the 727 that was stolen, that was a difficult one. But the one that I think uh, gave us the biggest challenge would be the one... Uh, the 182 that, that fell in the car too, if that's the one. The other thing is, uh, I think the Rickbok was the most interesting case we did. And I would also say that maybe, uh, you know, each one, like I said, was like a fingerprint. So it's, it's difficult to say, but traumatic definitely for all of us because you're actually reliving this whole thing with, the, with whoever was involved, if we could. But talking to people and realizing what effect it had on them, it's actually, actually quite an eye-opener. Yeah, and I think that's that's the major thing with air crashes and investigations is because you become very involved and very, you know, it's all about the people who was in the crash, who were in the crash. Yes. And you become so engulfed in it all that it suddenly hits yes. you that, you know, while I'm investigating it, someone did lose their life and someone knew this person and, you know, and it's a real person. It's, it may just be on paper for now, but it was, there were real people involved. Um, and I Definitely. think- Definitely. Mm -hmm. 
I was going to say, I think it really hits home often when we have a few aircraft accidents in Africa, for instance, like the Ethiopian um, ET-302 accident, mm. where, where mm. we read it and we were like, oh my gosh, that's so close. And yet it's actually real people there. And you start hearing the stories about whose belongings were found and who died and who, you know, and it becomes very personal. It becomes a very personal endeavor. Yes. What, we had two scenarios. The one was where we we had to be very sensitive because uh, especially the crashes that, that actually happened and the wrecks were found, but there was a mysterious uh, circumstances hanging around it. Those were the more sensitive cases. But we found that when you have an aircraft that disappears and it's without a trace, it's actually to the family or the people left behind a good thing that we, we give it life again. So that, those were the two scenarios we, we were seeing. Mm, I'm sure. And it and must have been, you know, you're producing this whole TV series on it. And so I suppose you have to really retain your sensitivity among the whole thing. Um, and this this leads me to to um, to Warwick, who I think has something on that point related to that, in fact. I wouldn't say entirely related, um, but as another sort of general question, being a aircraft pilot and flying planes as opposed to helicopters, how different was it investigating a helicopter crash as you did, I think, in two of the stories compared to an aircraft crash or a plane crash? Was it a much, um, was it a very different sort of system or was it a fairly similar case? Uh, I would say that it's not that much different because um, it's an aircraft, think about it. What, what what did give us a challenge is the flight characteristics of an aeroplane as opposed to a helicopter, which could have an effect. I've, I've investigated real helicopter crashes uh, before, uh, real ones that we found, well, there's no mystery that we, we found out what the cause was. But if you look at the aeroplanes, you must also realize that there are aeroplanes that also differ in terms of flight characteristics. So yes, in terms of endurance, in terms of people flying them, it was actually boiling down to who was in control of the airplane. You can't really blame the airplane in these cases. It's all about the people operating the plane. And I think that that was that was more of a challenge. So it's not about the, the, the actual equipment, it was the technology and it was the flight characteristics of each and every case. Yeah, okay. That makes sense because I think a lot of it, in especially in these unsolved mysteries, as opposed yes. to solved mysteries, it's not as much of a technical failure. It's more of it's more of the human, it's more of the pilot or the aircraft Definitely. captain, the person who's controlling everything. Yes. Because a lot of it was based on what they wanted to do. It wasn't an aircraft mistake. And so I think that's a very different thing compared to a lot of the uh, solved mysteries because solved can be, it could be something on the, in the, well, emotionally or something to do with the captain or the pilot, but it's not, or well, a lot of the time it can also be a failure of the aircraft, which is less common in these unsolved. I just need to make this, this comment on that. And, and you must also remember, I didn't know these people. So I had to go into their background, some of them, to sort of see what kind of a person they were. Uh, if, uh, as far as you can, you can't always do it. 
So that was another challenge. Who did we deal with? Who was this person we were dealing with that was involved in this case? And that was actually also a challenge. So this, this, this is what it boiled down to. Who am I dealing with? How was their way of doing things? And what equipment was involved? And what was the circumstances around it? The weather was very, very important. Weather, definitely. I'm sure that okay, sorry, it was yeah. really um, difficult to to find out the information because a lot of, I mean, there's some some cases that were possibly suicidal and others where you have to actually go into the mental state of someone else in order to work it out. But I think Warwick's connection was just dropping and he did have something to say, in fact. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, were any of the people who you tried to speak to with relation to the pilots or who knew the pilots or people in control of the aircraft, were any of them very, I don't know, I don't know what the exact word would be, but sort of sentimental, would some of them not release the information about them? Would they not release the, I don't know, the emotional character of them, how they were dealing with everything? Or were they all very free to give you their input? Uh, you must realize that the actual persons we're dealing with are missing. So uh, the families, or people related to them, or people who knew about them, and, and so on. We didn't have any problem in that sense, no. no. We had a year and there sensitive, uh, we families at least be sensitive, but they never said no. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm, there was one case where they said, you can do the story up to a point, but that's it. Okay, yeah, because I've, I've read about one or two other investigations, not all related to aviation. But when it's emotional or to do with the person, then sometimes I've heard that the families can say, no, this is all private. We don't want you to do anything. We don't want you to have anything to do with this. Yes, um, yes. Which is sort of what I was wondering if you encountered that in your um, investigations. Um, yeah, I would say I'm, I'm walking, but I'm so used to walking. <laughs> what I wanted to say is that follow. We had more positive reactions than anything else. So um, that's the one thing you must realize. We had more positive than negative. And the little bit of negative that we did have was quickly uh, turned around and we said, but this is, we're not doing this for sensation because most people when they hear you're making a TV series or this is going on to the media, then they, they get sensitive because they don't want to desensitize the whole situation. So that was one thing we had to we had to watch out for, definitely. And it's also interesting, there's so many characteristics and factors that go into making, turn, turning a book into a TV series, because now the information is even more out and it's, it's much broader in terms of viewer base than the book who- Like, like I said, uh, you're making a very good point, but, uh, I was, I was actually surprised when the ebook came out or the article series that we didn't have, we had none, nothing, not one negative comment, not one guy saying, but your facts are wrong or, or this or the other. And it was read by, by quite a lot of people. So I would say, I'm not saying that we're perfect, but I think the way we presented it was in a way that it's, it's, it's clinical, it's documentary, and it's interesting. And I think that carries the story. Of, of, of this whole project. And as, as someone reading it, I really did find that to be true. 
because it was just the method and the, how it was written which made it such a fantastic reader experience and we're going to ask you one last thing before we wrap up the show which is yes. as a pilot with your knowledge of these air crashes do the factors of these air crashes go into your go through your mind when you're flying and do they scare you um you know a pilot any pilot will tell you that when you get into the aircraft in fact i'm very glad you asked that because when i know i'm going to fly the next morning to a flight i also fly or have been flying the air ambulance for a while and going to do it again but you 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 sort of have that butterfly feeling in your in your stomach am i next and <laughs> When you get into the aircraft, it, it just disappears. When you when you get into the aircraft, you close the door, you sit in front of the the stick and rudder, and you start the aircraft and you start doing your thing. It, it's just another world, and you you sort of get to a point where you say, "Well, if it's my day, it's my day." So no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't call it scared. I would call it anticipation, maybe, but but scared? No, no, definitely not. Okay, well, that's quite interesting because the way which you said it sort of disappears as soon as you get into the pilot seat. Yeah. I think that's also maybe influenced by the fact that you know you're in control of the aircraft now. You can't yes. you can't risk thinking about what could go wrong, and then because you're not focusing on what can because you're not focusing on what's happening, it can go wrong. Um, Thank you very much, Voter, for coming onto the show and really explaining um, your methodology to us and how it all went under. Be sure to watch Flights to Nowhere on People's Weather Channel, Channel 180 on DSTV from Monday, 19 April. Also, there's a giveaway of the book, but otherwise you can also buy it on africanpilot.co.za.